0: You want to
1: Wednesday at 8 p.m. And it is Wednesday and it is 8 p.m. and we're on Brave New Radio. I'm your professor David Kirk Philp and we are listening to Music Biz 101 and more. <sighs> A whole lot more. And of course, the voice you just heard was the voice, the soothing golden throat of Dr. Esteban Marconi. Dr. Esteban! <laughs> back from assignment. In the studio again. It's good to have you back. Well, he gets the upper bunk again, and I'm pushed back down into the lower bunk. It's, But that's what we're doing. We're listening to Rob Fusaris' Don't Let Love Down in the background. We want to thank Ashley Weltner for managing everything that's happening that you are hearing right now. Ashley Weltner, Ms. Engineer of the Year. That's very good. Thank you, Ashley. She didn't even clap for herself. Didn't even clap for herself. We have a guest who uh, we're going to call. Well, he's called in, but we're going to talk with him in just a moment. Sean Striegel, Senior VP. Of New York, New Jersey, at Live Nation. Actually, senior VP of Music at New York, New Jersey, in Live Nation. At Live Nation, I've butchered the whole thing. We are very flexible. We could say in, at, on. We're great with prepositions. He was
2: driving in and got caught in New York City traffic. So we have set it up so he now has called in.
1: He was going to sit right between us. That's right. You left my right.
2: And now he can just drive on 78 and go.
1: Go right home. Go home. Go right home to the dog and the cat. And sure. Parakeet. We should remind you to check out musicbiz 101 wpcom In fact, we've had Sean Striegel here before. He was here in the spring of 2017. Yes. And if you want to see, we have an interview up there on video about an hour and 53 minutes If you go to musicbiz101wp.com and also type in Sean Striegel video interview. Striegel is S-T-R-I-E-G-E-L. That's it. And you will be able to see that. So that is supplemental, supplemental viewing for you after this. Because this will also be a podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud, you know. exactly. We should thank the folks at Van Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management. Because with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, and Kiss, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. <laughs> that's, a, that's the American word for hyphen. Right. CPA.com when you are ready. Again, thanks to Rob sorry for letting us play his song. And listen to, I'm sorry, by, no, just know that Managing Your Band. K-N-O-W. K-N-O-W. Managing Your Band, 6th edition, came out June 6th, and it's available right now to read. It was written by Dr. Esteban Marconi.
2: And my co-host.
1: Professor David Kirk, (laughs) Phil, that's right. Follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at MusicBiz101WP. We have gotten all of that out of the way. Sean Striegel, are you here with us on Brave New Radio MusicBiz? What do I do, I am here. Well, I'm not there with
3: you. I'm on my way, but, yes, I am on the air with
1: you guys. Sean Striegel, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Big, big. We have a huge studio audience, Sean, so um, you're missing it right now. (laughs)
3: Well, you know, I'm on my way, and uh, I, I hope to get there in time to be able to run inside with you guys.
1: All right, where are you? Great. Where are you physically right now, besides the car? Just,
2: uh, just
1: passing the stadium. Giant stadium. MetLife Met Stadium. MetLife yeah. yeah. right, Stadium. Yeah. Okay. All right. All
2: right. Great. That's about twenty minutes or so. Okay. If you don't get lost, but most likely.
1: <laughs> right. Go on. All right. So this becomes a. Sorry, I interrupted.
2: Ways is the
3: best app ever. So, oh, yeah, make it better. My car is GPS. It, it'll show you where to go.
2: Great. Great. OK, well, let's get started. Uh, I think I'd like to start with I know you're certainly uh, now with Live Nation, but you came via California. Do you want to explain that and how you got here?
3: You know, my career started off as uh, an independent promoter. And in 2000, I decided to join the House of Blues talent team and opened up the Anaheim venue, uh, along with the rest of the House of Blues team. And, uh, you know, a couple years later, Live Nation purchased House of Blues. Mm -hmm. I, I stayed on and actually became... The director of clubs and theaters for Southern California uh, for the booking team, and uh, about 2007, I got a call and was asked what I thought about moving to New York, and uh, I took the I took the opportunity, and it's been fabulous. It really has.
2: And that was your first time uh, coming to New York.
3: No, uh, because of the business, I would come out here probably
2: two or three times a year.: Uh-huh. Uh, so no, I, I'd been
3: out here quite a few times before, but it was't my first experience
4: living out
2: here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what are you then you came here through House of Blues as it was bought by Live Nation, and uh, how did you get to be sort of work your way up to executive vice president for our listeners?
3: Well, uh, you know, I started off as a talent buyer, and when I moved to New York in 2007, I was elevated to the position of vice president. Uh, As things progressed and my career continued to grow, and uh, growing our business and opportunities taking on additional responsibilities and uh, overseeing the business for the club and theater division for New York and New Jersey, as well as all of our uh, third party businesses, which are venues we don't own and operate, but have exclusive agreements with. Mm
4: -hmm. And
3: my history with certain artists and experience and kind of evolving my role to where I'm also promoting national tours with, with artists,
2: uh, yeah. the promotion to senior vice president came. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So we have a... Um, well, we, we have a model, of course, of um, promoting shows and so on. But the Internet has become so rich, and things like um, Groupon, for instance, that sometimes we see shows on Groupon. And I think many people look at Groupon only as sort of a last resort. Tickets aren't selling and let's knock them down and maybe we can get a house and we don't have to pay for the house as much and so on and so forth. But I think Groupon is also uh, become sort of a promotional vehicle if it's used correctly. Uh, How do you feel Uh, about that? uh, Look, I, when, when, Promoters first started using
3: Groupon. Uh, you know, a lot of them used it as, okay, we got a dog show or we've got a slow-selling show. Let's put it up on Groupon for, you know, a 50% discount. And just, like you said, just try to build a house. So it almost looked like a fire sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as the business has grown and Groupon itself as a business, and its number of subscribers that it has, and the demographic that it reaches, um, it's about how you approach it. Mm-hmm. You know, there are still promoters who will use Groupon for the old, basically like a clearinghouse. I completely disagree with that, and i you'll never see any of the shows I promote being on Groupon at the end of the life cycle of a show. Mm
4: -hmm. I
3: look at Groupon as an amazing marketing tool. Um, You know, in the past, when you were dealing with Groupon, you were, you know, it was after the deals were cut and you were really just trying to fill bodies in the room for ancillary revenue.
5: Mm
4: -hmm.
3: Whereas now, you know, I look at Groupon, as I said, as a marketing tool. And I put that into my deals from the very beginning because I know that that Groupon database looked at things a different way. And it's a different database than what the Live Nation database is or the Ticketmaster database is. And I utilize it at the on sale, you know, a limited number of tickets Mm -hmm. at a specific discount uh, just to help. Get the word out. I mean, their email in the tri state area goes to 5 million people. Wow. So you've got to understand that when I send out an email blast through Ticketmaster or Live Nation, I'm hitting millions of people as well. But there's going to be some people on that Groupon database that aren't frequent concert goers. You know, Mm -hmm. that aren't going to be the ones who get the Live Nation email or the Ticketmaster email. I wish they all would. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be some that aren't going to get that. And so as Groupon has grown, the industry has evolved around it. And the smart promoters are using it as a marketing tool
2: at the onset of the show instead of a clearinghouse at the end. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, do artists uh, ever get a little skeptical because if there are a certain number of their audience that are going to get this discount early and then, um, you know what I'm trying to say, and then when they go to the regular yeah. ticket, Mr. outlet, they have to pay the full, um, do you have to convince them sometimes uh, to use it or?
3: Definitely. You know, definitely. There's always a certain amount of artists that are going to give you
2: pushback on it. mm mm-hmm. um, you know, because they look at it as what, you don't have to be from my show
4: that you gotta you gotta discount this. And when you sit down
3: and you explain to them the actual reach of Groupon and how it's such you know, it's not half the house, it's not yeah. 70, you know, thirty percent of the house. It's a limited number and you're really using it as a marketing. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna go on sale with the Groupon prices. Um the marketing aspect, very rarely will they ever argue. I mean, if, if the artist and the manager, they understand that you're using it to strengthen the on sale, uh, most of them come around and, mm-hmm. and understand it. And, and, you know, it's gotten to the point as well where there are certain artists who are taking that step up to the next level, whether it be a larger club, going into a theater or going into an arena or a shed, where they know that they're not quite going to sell all those tickets.
4: Mm -hmm. They
3: know that they're not, you know, worth whatever or have the ability to sell the capacity of that venue. So they look at you as being a smart promoter at like, okay, I'm going to have a slight discount at the beginning uh, to help get more people in the room, to get you in front of more people, to help get you to the next step because, you know, the casual fan, the diehard fan is the one that's going to buy it on Ticketmaster every time. It's the casual fan who maybe has already seen the artist before
4: or, or, um, you know, is kind of on the fence about going, and if they see
3: that great deal, then they're going to go ahead and purchase. Yeah. So I have found that Groupon also, you know, and, and the smart agents, managers, and artists, recognize that done right, it helps increase the attendance of the concert. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about the economics of a Groupon deal? Because there are probably going to be a lot of DIY artists who are doing smaller shows, maybe at a club like The Bitter End or something, who are thinking, oh, now I can do a Groupon thing, too, because it's Sean was saying how great it works. But I'm assured this is not something that's available to everybody.
4: Well, I
3: mean... I guess anybody could do Groupon, right? But the the reality is that there's a financial impact to using Groupon. Groupon is a service, you know, um, so it charges a fee in order to use their service.
4: Mm -hmm. So
3: that comes off of, you know, if the consumer is paying $20 for a ticket on Groupon, um Groupon's going to charge a certain amount of money per ticket to fulfill that. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a DIY artist and you're, you're, your concern is the door or your concern is the gross or the net gross, those tickets, although it may be more people in the house, are recognized at a lower value than what the consumer is actually paying. Whereas, like, that $20 ticket, it might only be $15 being recognized to the growth of the show. Yeah. Because Groupon has taken their fees out
2: of it. Right, right. You know, before we get off Groupon, uh, Bruno Mars did mention Groupon in his show. I was at the uh, the Proust Center you know, in, in Newark a couple of weeks ago for his show. And uh, I'm thinking out loud now. In the middle of the show, he's talking about, you know, he and his girl are going and she wanted to go to Hawaii and she wanted to go here and there. And he goes, no, we're going to Jersey. You know, so everybody started screaming. <laughs> and he goes, what? I had a on So it was really pretty funny. Anyway.
3: Well, and that just shows you that it's transcended, whereas before it was... Before it stayed a basic drone, it really was, you know, a clearinghouse. Yeah. Nowadays, it's everybody, no matter what fiscal level you're at in financial earnings, people recognize that there are certain deals on there that are
2: fantastic. Exactly, yeah. You can,
3: a great deal, and it's not just on a concert ticket, it's on a massage, it's on a... For iPhone cable or or
2: a vacation. Yeah, if you know the well, in the ca- your case you would know the artist. But if you know the venue, and that means the restaurant or the massage place, spa, and so on, it, they're great deals. I've used it many times, uh, and given them actually as Christmas presents too, to people.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, they're if, fantastic. You know, just as long as you know you're not. If you know a restaurant's bad, just because you got a group on you don't, you don't do it. You know, but if you know it's a good restaurant and they're running this group on sale, then it's excellent. So I don't think you're right. I don't think the stigma is there as much as it was in the beginning. All right, they're getting rid of all these uh, hoodies or they're getting rid of all these shorts or whatever. It's not that way anymore. You just got to pick and choose. if, If you think about what you just
3: said and take it into what I was saying about the casual concert goer. Mm-hmm. Not the dedicated hardcore fan, you know. Much like you're saying, if you if you hear the restaurant is a is a terrible restaurant, I don't care how great of a deal you're getting on Groupon, you're not going to buy it, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a restaurant you're familiar with and you know a ton about, you're going to buy that Groupon right away. Yeah. But if it's a restaurant that you've heard mixed reviews about, you've always been kind of curious about it, but you're not hundred percent sure. Having that discount might push you over the edge, and you decide, okay, I'm going to go ahead and try this restaurant because I got a
2: group one. Yeah, and you look at the, the reviews too. For, yeah, the same can be said for a show. You know, yeah. you yeah. there's an
3: artist that maybe you've seen a couple of times, or it's been a couple of years since they've uh, had a record, or you know, or um, you know, you're just you're not sure and. That you you see the full price of the ticket, and you're like, man, I just, I really can't afford that fifty dollar ticket. That's, that's a, that's a steep haul for me right now. But then you see the Groupon for thirty dollars, and it's like, wow, you know, I did like those six songs that they had. Those were absolutely amazing, Mm -hmm. and you know, Mm -hmm. I would like to see them. And to me, it's it's worth that value. Mm -hmm. So that's where the Groupon can help push that sale over the
1: edge. Now, when you're doing a a Groupon deal, you're obviously speaking with artist management because somebody, I guess, and tell me when I'm wrong or anything, um, because somebody has to eat this discount. Somebody's not going to get obviously paid as much because it's being sold as a discount. Will the manager say something like, um, we'll split it or you guys should eat it all because you're just going to get more bodies in there who are going to buy more beer and more soda and more concessions and more parking, so you guys are still going to make out, or is that not how it goes?
3: Well, that's where, when you're doing it at the end of the cycle of a show, that's where you run into that problem, and that's Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's like, okay, you got an extra
4: thousand people in the building, but, you know, why aren't I going to, you know, only, you know, 35% Thirty-five percent of what we originally
3: cut our deal in is going to the gross. So,
4: mm-hmm.
3: okay, so we're now at a capacity show, and I'm losing out. Whereas if you, and that's why i saying I build it into my offers from the get-go. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and that at sense. that point,
4: it, it's understood, and it's you know okay, there's going to be 200 tickets at only 20
3: bucks, while the rest of the house is 35. Mm-hmm. Um, you build it in, and there is no Loss, loss
2: in perception of what the gross could be. Yeah, yeah, remember, smart move. Uh, Live Nation did it a few summers. I don't know if they did it last summer. There was ten dollars Wednesdays or twenty dollars Wednesdays at any show. Was like was,
1: at the PNC Arts Center. I remember there was uh, yeah, but I mean they did it ten dollar tickets all summer or something. Or well,
2: I remember that Live Nation was doing it like on one day a week. Oh <laughs> yeah, You know oh, and yeah, there were yeah, X amount right. of tickets, obviously. And that, I yep. would assume, would be the same negotiation that with the management, artist management, and with the agent, too, that this is, uh, exactly. you know, and it's, and it's done, it was done in sort of a, I like the way it was done with Live Nation, because it was sort of done like a, a payback to the fans mm-hmm. for being such great fans instead of, hey, this show isn't selling, you know, <laughs> right. uh, here, they're 10 bucks now.
3: Exactly. You know, and it, it's just like looking at the uh, the National Concert Day promotion
2: that Live Nation does. Yeah. Which wow. is, you know, I, I know we talked
3: about it when I uh, when I sat in there last time, but you know, done right, that's all negotiated and all of the deals in advance. You know, the certain number of tickets are going to be on that, mm-hmm. and the the point is, is you run a very limited time promotion. And it really is—I don't want to say attacking—but it's really giving that opportunity to the casual fan to come out and experience live music, you know. And you know, in the amphitheaters, it's a lot of lawn seats for twenty dollars. But where else, you know, can you experience that or get the entertainment for a twenty-dollar value? If you're a hardcore fan of the artist, you're probably gonna. You're not going to be happy with the lawn you're going to want to sit close yeah so you have that opportunity to get the discount ticket but you also have the opportunity to spend a little more and get a better seat
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we just brought up artist management and, and steve just mentioned the agent as well can you talk about the relationship and the sort of give and take between yourself as the promoter and the agents and artist management the different situations that you've seen and how, how that works
3: well you know I, I, if you boil it down to a simple triangle if you will hmm. you've got a manager that's employed by the artist to manage their business because their their band their brand is a business and their job is to manage the entire portfolio of their business from their records, to their touring, to their merchandising, to their likenesses, to to do the best for that brand. That's the manager's job, right?
4: Mm-hmm. And then you have
3: the agency, which is really responsible for the live side of the artist. And they work in conjunction with the manager to make sure that the artist is put in the right situation makes the most amount of money or has the highest potential to earn the most amount of money and do what's best to further the career of that artist. So they work for the artist and the manager. Mm -hmm. And then you have the promoter who is working for their company or working for their venue or working for, you know, in an independent promoter's case, working for themselves. Mm -hmm. So, good example of the way that relationship works is over time you build up a reputation, and you really hone your skills, and you build up your knowledge of your market. And in doing that, you you grow with the artist. You understand who the artist is, you understand who the fan base is, and you understand what the appropriate play is. To have a great relationship with an artist, manager, and the agent is the best of all worlds. Yeah. But you always have to recognize that what the agent's job is, is to get the most amount of money for the artist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you always, as a promoter, want to strike the best deal that's going to get the artist paid, going (coughs) to sell the tickets, and also going to make you some money. So, I mean, I hope that that kind of answers your question. Yeah, not a hundred percent sure if it does,
2: but now, when, um, when a promoter's doing um, doing a deal, does he uh, does one look at a break even percentage? Like, if I get seventy percent of the house, I'm going to break even. So, if we go up, then we we're all going to start making money. Uh, is that in the in the minds of uh, of a promoter?
3: Uh, a good promoter's got to think about everything. They've got to think about, you know, really what is the value of the artist? Really what is it going to cost to promote this show? Um, you know, what is going to be the financial, what is going to be the break even number? But also, you know, what are your ancillaries? What is the artist earnings potential? And um, what's the appropriate ticket price?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And because sometimes the appropriate t- ticket price can make the difference between whether you're going to make a profit and you're not going to make
1: a profit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, can, can I bring up independent promotion? Because I think you might have brought it up a second ago. Um, Live Nation recently bought United Concerts which is based in Salt Lake City and you'd think at this point that between Live Nation and AEG there's no more independent promotion in America but I'm and I don't know enough about this um, this side of the business so here's where you can school at least me Um, I'm almost thinking like just like there's independent record retail still around there still are a handful of independent promoters all around the country who are still alive and doing well. Mm-hmm. You got
4: John Share here. You got, yeah, uh,
3: there's, but there's there's thousands of independent promoters across the U.S.
4: Mm-hmm. I mean,
3: from every level, you know, every level from a small bar scene all the way up to you know, mm-hmm. there, there's independent promoters, and there's always going to be independent promoters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when you bring up you know, a large company purchasing an independent promoter, sometimes it's a strategic move, whether it be
5: in a market
3: where the, the, the larger company doesn't already have business, but has the ability to create business in that area, mm-hmm. or it, it also is an opportunity to where that independent promoter you know, it, it, sometimes it's not a matter of the big guy buying the little guy. It's a matter of the little guy or the independent promoter selling to the larger company in order to increase their business. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, as you talk about the Live Nations and the AEGs, you know, there does come there – there is something to be said for who is buying the most talent. Who is buying the most amount of shows for a particular artist? And you know, it, it, it's with anything else, there does come buying power, and so that could be a reason why an independent would want to be a part of a larger corporation.
1: Hmm. Hmm. How how can one create their own? In, I mean, you you kind of touched upon it. But how can one become an independent promoter? Let's let's say again, we talk because I'm sensing this is a lot like the record industry where you have the big majors and then they'll swallow up some indies, but then new indies will, will come up and just find holes in the market. How does somebody become an indie promoter and just start from nothing and become, you know, successful?
3: Uh, wow. Yeah. you got to love music.
4: Mm-hmm. You've
3: mm-hmm. got to get into it for the right reason. You, you've got to love music. Um, yeah. You know, guys, I am pulling onto the William Patterson campus right now. Oh.
2: Do you remember the building you were in? Um, I it has do, to be. And I think, it has to um, be lot number eight, I believe, right? Yes. It, are,
1: you, are you turning right into a parking lot or left?
2: Uh, I am turning, wow,
3: right onto the campus. Um, oh, I think I see it right here. So, you know what, guys? Let
2: there's me, a li- uh, There's a little bridge, like a bridge over the road. You should be right near a bridge uh, right over the road. I am
3: at Hobart Manor.
2: Oh. Wrong Hobart. Am I okay. in the
3: wrong area?
2: Yes. So, can you go out the Perfect. way you came in?
3: I sure can.
2: Okay, when you get to the road, that's Pompton Road, and then you'll make a right Right, and go up you'll, the hill. You'll go up and you go under a walking bridge, and then you'll make the first left into that first parking lot. And if you've gone too, f- if you see a little pond, on the then left. you've gone too far on the left. Yeah. And this is oh, this is good bothered? radio.
1: I mean, yeah. this is this is what sets. Should we send this, Ashley be down? Want, want me to run out there? If or I Ashley it. can do. We can continue. Yeah, okay. to talk. Our uh, esteemed engineer with blue hair, Ashley, is going to go out into the parking lot and try to escort you in. You, She'll be right Next in front of the building. Uh, and the great thing is, yes, I'm
3: going to hang up then right now, so okay. I can. Uh, great. So I can jump right in there with you guys. Uh, we will All talk right.
1: behind your back until you're here in the studio.
2: <laughs> oh, that's the wife of a promoter. <laughs>
1: there we go. Bye bye.
2: guys. Okay. Okay, this I will is, slide over when okay. he comes, but that mic isn't on, so I won't do that Okay, now, not yet. Because okay. then you'll be talking alone. <laughs> we
1: don't want that. So listen, this uh, priest,
2: rabbi, and a minister went into a bar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, you don't want to do that, do you? No, I, actually, so, I wouldn't mind, but I, yeah. I think the FCC would have a problem with that.
2: No, he's uh, very interesting.
1: Thus far, yeah. And
2: I think that um, understanding that a concert promoter... Isn't this guy that sits behind uh, something with a big cigar and he has, uh, you know, the Proust Center and he has Madison Square Garden. And uh, I I was very close friends with a independent promoter in Syracuse that did basically metal shows. A guy by the name of Jack Bell who, who passed away way too early. But um, we got to be very close. And uh, he actually was a bartender. And he was uh, talking to a guy that came in drinking and so i went to the show and it was a show that jack knew the artist who the artist was and he said yeah it was about a quarter fill and jack said well i can do that better that's stupid that place should have been filled and the guy dared him and that's how he got into hmm. promoting and he promoted the Rolling stones and i mean all the way up and uh he said the bigger the act to promote the more difficult it was because you spent all your time with that act, and there's seven or eight other shows that you're promoting within that week or two weeks. And he says, You don't even know it. You look to your assistant and uh your assistant and say, Well, last night we did. And he goes, Oh, yeah, where? You know, because he had no idea. But he always used to say this thing that I never forgot. He says, They're only as good as your last show as a concert promoter. This was before the day of the Live Nation mm-hmm. where they can lose a ton of money and still make it on a Bruno Mars tour or whatever. Right. Uh but but I, that always stuck with me and I try to get people to understand how difficult it is to do everything right and especially if you're running um a a fairly large arena in a town let's say the size of a Buffalo or Syracuse or whatever that you have to know all the police uh, department people, you have to know the fire department people. You have to be able to um, make one-way streets and parking mm-hmm. and so on and so forth.
1: Sean He's is arrived. here. How's it
2: going, guys? good, good. Good
1: to see you. Yeah. On, when you get a chance, there. come around. Yeah. Again, this is this is what makes our podcast different from every other and Ash, podcast on. and live radio. On so, too. Sean Striegel is well, here. Good the to effort, see you guys again. Yes, yes, yes thank the you. Effort.
0: Of Great. Of course. I'm sorry I'm late.
1: Oh, that's. Okay. Yeah, we were just talking about a, a concert promoter who Steve used to know in Syracuse. Okay. And he was bringing up the the classic line of, you're only as good as your last show.
2: As an, as an independent.
1: As an independent you promoter. You know, because
2: right. he didn't have a uh, a live nation where there are 40 shows going on and you can lose a little money on one or two or whatever. But he was, um, the guy was his name was Jack Bell and he passed away way too. Early And he got into the business because he loved music and he was a bartender. And he a guy came into the bar and said, uh, I went to the show. And he go yeah, how was it? I couldn't go. And he said, that was only about a quarter filled. And he says, oh, I can do that. That's stupid. It should have been filled. So the guy dared him. And that's how he got into the business. Uh, all the way up through the Rolling Stones. I mean, he used yeah. to do in, in central New York and so on.
0: There's so many people that I know in the business that became a promoter because whether they were a musician that wasn't as good as as the other people they were with or um yeah they were working in a bar or whatever or their friends band or their brother's band right you know there's a lot of people that got into the business almost just because like i can do a better job at the next person yeah so yeah. Uh, you know that's yeah uh, i agree but uh, the the thing about you're only as good as your last show It kind of goes back to what i was just saying about the relationship between the agent and the manager and the promoter you can have a bad show you know you there are some times where you are going to do absolutely everything in your power to try and make a show successful Mm
4: -hmm.
0: and sometimes it's just not going to be successful so uh, if you continually fail at what you're doing, you'll create a reputation where people don't want to do business with you. Mm-hmm. But if, if you conduct yourself in a way and you're professional and the, 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 the artist team knows that you truly have done everything that you can do mm-hmm. to promote the show properly or even gone above and beyond to really try, they're not gonna hold it against you. And mm-hmm. in fact, sometimes they'll give you a little financial relief. Um, because th- that's what it's about. It's a give and a take, and it really needs to be a stronger relationship uh, between everybody. If it was just a commodity of, like, okay, I bought 50 shows from you just like I bought 50 hats from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody wanted to buy the hat. Right. Too bad. You bought the hat. But I buy 50 shows from you. If I just buy 50 shows, put them on sale, don't care. Don't ever communicate what's going on with the shows then then bad on you and and, and, you know not every discussion is going to be rosy and beautiful you have to be strong enough and understand your business enough to have a conversation with the agent or the manager or both and say we're in trouble here guys Mm -hmm. i've done a b and c and Mm -hmm. nothing's working Mm -hmm. the worst thing that you can do as a promoter is to wait to the last minute to do that Look, when a show goes on sale from the start, if you have any sort of experience, you're going to know if your show is going to be successful or not. Mm -hmm. The quicker you can raise your hand and say, I think we got a problem. There's There's a lot of time that can go into it and a lot of opportunity to come up with a solution. Maybe it's as dreadful as having to move it to another venue. maybe it's about, hey, let's add another support act to it that's got another draw that can help bring the show in. Maybe it's sitting down and going, it's just not connecting or engaging with the fans right now because the artist has been out of the market so long. Hey, can we get independent drops from the artist for each individual market? That we can use on social media or or that can we get a Twitter takeover with the artist? Can we get you know something unique that is just special to the artist? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's about recognizing a problem in advance.
1: Yeah, you mentioned independent drops. Mm -hmm. Are those voiceover? What what are you talking about?
0: Nowadays, the I got to tell you, nowadays the quality of the cell phone. The video is absolutely amazing. Anytime I do a tour with an artist, one of the things I require is is I say, so here's what I want. I mean, we do the deal, and it's months before the shows go on sale and everything. Just spend a weekend, and there's going to be 25 cities. You've got the route in front of you. Just take your iPhone yeah. and just shoot up. A- 15 20 seconds hey i'm coming to new york city i'm really excited to see you guys i'm going to be playing at irving plaza on this date tickets Mm -hmm. go on sale this day Mm -hmm. that's what i mean by the independent drop you know and, and, and that stuff and look facebook i love facebook but at the same time we're so inundated on facebook it's become 50 different little side ads on it now so while facebook is one of the strongest ways to get the word out about a show right um i don't know about you guys but i kind of zone out sometimes on the things on the side yeah yeah. Uh, you know and and if i see it in my feed you know and it doesn't grab me or doesn't engage me i go right past it yeah but if i see that an artist is coming to town and i see there's a video of the artist and it says hey and you know and there's a little thing and it just says hey nyc so-and-so's coming mm-hmm. you know that's gonna stop that's gonna grab me and that's gonna engage me to to find out what's going on mm-hmm. maybe the artist is talk about i'm in the studio i'm gonna finish up my new record it's not gonna be out by the time these shows are playing but i'm gonna play three new songs off of my new album when i hit the new york city stop as a fan i want to know that and that might be that thing that pushes me over the edge to go ahead and buy a ticket so that that's what i mean by mm-hmm. you know, yeah that's drop. great
2: yeah now does the old system still exist and by that i mean with an artist is starting out and the promoter buys the show puts them in usually has had um, access to a small venue would lose some money on the artist and second time around, the artist is going out and he's going to play maybe a thousand seat place. And the promoter again is going to maybe just about break even. And then the artist finally becomes a headliner and he goes to the promoter and says, We realize you lost money on us. This is our gift. If you do all your homework right, you're going to sell out. And we're giving you. The opportunity to do this show
0: that's you know that's investing in an artist mm-hmm. uh, you know certain artists you just know are gonna break you mm-hmm. know it, it, you might be in really early with them and you know it's like it's it's not it's not their time yet but their time is coming right um so yeah that that still happens all the time that you know there's just you, you, you gravito- gravitate towards someone and you want to you want to be a part of that career because mm-hmm. you know that that is going to be a career it's not just going to be about one time around on a show so yeah you'll lose money on a show or two you know to to, to grow that artist to invest in them to help them along the way and uh, that that's that that still happens every day
2: I was, I always thought that that was one of the reasons why of Silliman when he Put together whatever it was clear what was that it rolled everything up beginning it, yeah. yeah but he kept the 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 promoters were still sort of independent right in this that they could work independently and i always thought well that maybe that was because of the relationships that the promoters had had just nurtured with these artists all the time it, and it was better than just forming this large thing now that you're going to have to work for
0: right you know and and that's you know as a promoter if if you're doing your job right you're going to grow with the artist Uh um and depending on your track record as you grow with that artist you get to a relationship with the team around that artist with the management team with the agency team and you become their guy you know what i mean like you know what you're doing you've proved to them i know how to promote a show i know how to promote something in this genre and you create a loyalty towards you that, hey, I've got this new artist. Like, I want you to listen to him. I want you to see what you think about him and, you know, let me know what you think. And, and you know, if it, if it clicks with you, if it resonates, then it's like, yeah, I'm your guy. I want to do this. Like, I believe in this band. This record's really good. When are they coming to town? Oh, well, they're doing a showcase here, blah, blah, blah. I want to be there. I want to go check this out. And then Mm -hmm. you get involved with them and and you grow with them so you know um in the in the big scheme of things you know as a promoter it is a business as well and the worst thing you can do is is lose money right no business wants to lose money but when you are investing in an artist you gotta be especially for if you're working for a company right if you're not an independent promoter be honest about it you know it's like Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to do this show, and I guarantee I'm going to lose $2,000. But in six months, they're going to come back, and they're going to play for me again. And I'm probably going to break even mm-hmm. because it's about growth. Because once people see these people, they're going to tell two friends. You know, it's like that old hair commercial yeah. or yeah. shampoo commercial. They're going to tell two friends. And so on. And so exactly. On. Yeah. And it's going to grow. So, you know, I'm going to put I'm putting my efforts behind this artist because I mm-hmm. believe in it. Mm-hmm. And if you've gotten to a level with, with your company or such, they're going to trust you because, you know, we've, like myself, those of us who's been around over 20 years, actions speak louder than words, yeah. right? Yeah. The the worst thing is like, oh, I'm going to book this show because I really like this artist and I think they're going to grow and I want to be in with them from the beginning. But I'm too afraid to tell anybody that it's not going to do the business. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, maybe that's sharing too much, but... That's the truth. I mean, it's a business. Sure. For the artist, it's a business, too.
1: A $2,000 loss is still an investment that that you guys can afford to do because, you know, if you stick with it, if you really believe in it and you guys do your job, you're going to get that back incrementally over time. Even
0: as an independent promoter, I I, I would do that. I would Mm -hmm. invest in an artist. And there used to be
2: that loyalty. Yeah. I mean, the loyalty with the artist management or whatever, realizing that you did lose money. Now we're big. We're not just going to go with x down the street for a better deal this guy we're paying him back for what he he brought us to where we are basically you know and that happens in every city across the country basically when you're starting out
0: right but you know as your career develops and as you grow you know i still have those loyalties that i started 25 years ago in california there are still certain agents that you know it's funny but the history game wow and it's a game you know you can use it you can use it to for gain or you can use Mm. it against yourself Mm -hmm. at the same time um you know there's a couple of artists that i can think of right now that that'll remain nameless that my roots run extremely deep with on the west coast Mm -hmm. um i moved out here 10 years ago and as soon as you know they would play for various other promoters out here on the east coast Mm-hmm. The minute I moved out here, it was like, okay, it's Sean. Yeah. Where, you know, he's our promoter. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my first week in New York, there, uh, the first week I moved out here, um, I'm sitting in the Live Nation offices, and it was kind of like, okay, you, you know, me and Jason Miller and Kevin Morrow all came out at the same time, and it was like, okay, we got to kind of take over some of these shows because
4: mm-hmm.
0: that promoter's not with us anymore and uh and it's funny there was one that was in in quite a large venue that was probably the the first show that was handed to me and it was real simple the the president of live nation new york at that time you know talked to a bunch of the agents and said you know here's the changes i'm out here now and striegel's out here with me and jason miller's out here with me as well we've got your artist performing in this venue you know who do you want to deal with on this show going forward and there were a couple of shows and like i said one was really above what i'd been used to promoting in was just like austria has been our guy for 15 years on the west coast he knows my act better than anybody else does Mm -hmm. he may not know the market but he knows my act he knows who the fans are and he just gets it, so I want to go with him. Mm-hmm. So you know the, the history can definitely work for you, but it but it can work against you as well. Um, I just gave an example of how it can work against you, but also you know at the same time when it comes to doing a tour deal with someone,
4: yeah,
0: you know if uh, if AEG buys a tour with an artist that I've got the relationship with, you know I, I'm I'm probably not going to get the show in New York. Mm -hmm. but because of my relationship it's gonna cost AEG money it's gonna cost the other promoter money
4: yeah
0: Um, yeah because they've been with me for so many years Mm -hmm. so that's why I say history can work for or against you yeah
1: yeah do we have any tweets no tweets tonight yeah we have lots of tweets tweets. I haven't nobody cares what I have nobody wanted to listen to Sean Striegel tonight (laughs) but uh, ask another question because I've been listening to Sean and not looking at reading tweets unfortunately oh, i like, like, our I honor like interview. we always tell them <laughs> we, we, we usually
2: tell our classes when when an act cancels the show not a bruno mars and not a not um adele or something when an act canceled the show uh because of bad health or something oh, we always tell them that it was because of bad ticket sales is that is that usually the the case for a I'm not saying a headline that you know darn well there's not a ticket to be had. Right. But just, you know, somebody you read about and they're canceling the rest of the tour. Oh,
0: hiding behind a, yeah. a artist's illness? Something No, like. you know, not not really. Nowadays, here's the thing. Unless the whole tour is a stiff, uh, rarely is an artist going to pull a show down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many the record labels are gone and are no longer supporting the artist in the way that they were before the artist makes their money off of touring now so before the artist you know gets on that bus or gets in the van or whatever for the first day of the tour they've got a budget set out Mm -hmm. and so to pull a date down just because of ticket sales everybody loses on that
4: yeah you know the artist is
0: is lost on it the promoter you might think the promoter got off easy wow ticket sales sucked so we killed the show right what about the ten thousand dollars I spent in advertising yeah what about the whatever amount of money I had to pay in rent to the venue Uh, you know everybody loses out so it, it nowadays the quality artist manager promoter team it's more about mitigating the loss Mm -hmm. And it's about how do we keep the show going? So most of the time when you do see an individual show get canceled because of an illness or a transportation or, or whatever, there truly is that problem.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and with social media being what it is, it's, it's too, you can't really hide behind those things anymore. That's
2: that's true. Because if you
0: say like, you know, the artist is sick, someone's going to catch that person out on the town when they should have been playing yeah, the show right. and someone's going to throw that mm-hmm. picture up on social media and then it's, it's over, yeah. the damage of the artist is, is that much worse mm-hmm.
1: ashley's going to read a tweet to you
5: all right so this is a question from ashley but not me ashley a different ashley
1: um oh i'd rather hear, i'd like to hear a question from you Ashley.
5: <laughs> i'll get to a question for me after this one because I, 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 I really want to know <laughs> the answer to this one um vp sean striegel did i say that right sure yeah uh What's the number one factor agents pay attention to when considering which acts to book?
0: Whoa. Um, the, the yeah, because the agent represents the artist. I mean, is it? I'm confused by that question. I got to be honest. Is it more? Are, are, please, uh, yeah, yeah. Ashley, retweet back. So, are you asking <laughs> like a promoter? um like what is it that we look for when yeah, booking you guys act? you guys
1: specifically from you, from, you, from
0: yeah from your seat and what you do yeah you know um what's the artist history what is their what's going on with them what's their their value in the marketplace you know um
2: do you have all that data in front of you
0: some of it mm-hmm. uh for the most part have access to a lot of it but also it comes with experience and it comes with knowing your marketplace and or knowing that artist. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, that's really what I look for. What's going on with the act? What are they, what do they have going for them? What's, what's the reasoning they're on tour? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you know, what's, what's the point of them wanting to come to New York or New Jersey or any of that? Um, That's probably the number one thing I look at what's going on with that act right now or what's going to be going on with that act at the time they're talking about scoring
1: mm-hmm. we have another one this is I like this question that she's going to read
5: this one's from Zach um, should unsigned bands focus on playing in many different areas as possible or focus on getting big in one?
0: Oh, I love it we covered this one uh, <laughs> when we all sat together in the classroom right. um, if you are an unsigned independent artist and you're you're starting out, it is way more important to build a fan base, to build a ground swelling, and to build a draw in one area. Mm -hmm. Because you can go play 20 cities to 20 people and nobody's going to care. But if you can sell a thousand tickets in your hometown, someone's going to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. It may be another promoter. It may be another city. It definitely is going to be an agent. It's definitely going to be someone, or it could be another artist who says, you know, I came through town and, you know, whatever, and, and I picked up the trade, or I picked up the newspaper, or I looked at the social media, or I looked at what other shows were playing in that venue, and I saw this artist's name, and I asked somebody, how are they? What's that show all about? real simple if the person that venue sits there and says this is a local band they're really good they kind of sound like x y and z but they're going to sell this place out that that national artist might think about like wow okay so next time i come back maybe i want to use them as support and step it up to the bigger venue yeah yeah you know um to me that's way more important than than the old analogy of big fish in a small pond or small fish in a big pond i would rather be the big fish in a small pond because that's how you get noticed Mm
1: -hmm. great excellent answer
5: all right here's another question from carrie she says sean used to internet live nation hope you're well how has how has the current environment affected promoting shows like increased security costs marketing etc
1: you're kind of getting into the las vegas thing and all the the things that are going on i'm sure that's there are discussions going on about how to deal with that by the way that's carrie keller i don't know if you knew carrie she was uh, an MBA student here and she interned okay there yeah. Yeah. um you know it's
0: it's weird you know the the world evolves and you never want to think about tragic things happening but they happen you know cancer happens to people and and shootings happen to people and, and it's terrible it's, it's never a pleasant situation when it happens right and and some things you can plan for some things you just can't plan for and uh look extra security there's a cost associated with it you know um bigger venues there's a cost associated with it you know it it it, it comes down to how you approach everything you know you, you gotta you got to think about everything on so many different levels. On that, how has the environment changed? That's that's probably one of the best questions I've ever heard. Um, simply because you got to think about it from all sides. You know, what's the fan experience going to be, and when does the risk outweigh the reward? You know, sometimes the best show is the one that doesn't happen. You know, it's it's really. I know this is kind of morbid and and kind of dark to say, but you gotta really weigh out your costs. You gotta weigh out what the public safety is gonna be on a show, and sometimes just don't do the show. Mm. You know, you know, put the artist in a different situation. Um, You know, put the artist into a different venue or an alternative market. You know. At any point in time, you know, in history, there's been civil unrest in cities and, you know, the music business go to an alternative market where people can still still see it. Um, I'm kind of getting off track there, but, you know, if you're into the show and you're a fan, you're going to go to see it, whether it be on the West Coast where everybody drives or on the East Coast where it's very public transportation related. You you know, you're going to... You got to recognize just how far a fan is willing to travel when you're looking at an alternative site, but you know it's it, it. I don't I don't know where to go from here on that, but it's it really comes down to just you know appropriate planning on everything and mm-hmm. and recognizing the costs that are associated with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's actually a better answer than you thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, another tweet for you. All
5: right, this one's from Christine. What is the hardest lesson you learned when first starting your career as a booking agent? Wow.
1: Something that you can...
0: Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, apologies to everyone. No, we have
1: we've, uh, we lead the league in... Um, in
0: fines. In, in, in... <laughs> uh, send yeah, the yeah. fine to Live Nation, 430 West 15. <laughs> um, uh, um, you can't hide behind a lie. That's probably the most important thing. You know, uh, if you don't know something, ask a question. Uh, I know those are like little... It's not one specific answer, but... What it comes down to is recognize your abilities, ask for help, and be honest. That 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 You can carry that through the music business. You can carry that through any business that you're in, but that's the reality. But challenge yourself at the same time. Always try to do something a little bigger than you did last time. Always try to do something a little more challenging than you did the, the last time. But be prepared for, for the work that it's going to take to pull that off.
1: Mm-hmm and may, let me ask a quick question for you because um i know uh, some here at william patterson university by the way we're listening to brave new radio the hour just changed and we're allowed to go over a little bit right. there are still a number of students here who in my opinion even though they were born a lot later than we were born it's uh, and we're deep now into the 21st century they're still really focusing on the recorded music i gotta make the cp i gotta make this album once that's done then i'm gonna go out and do my record release show at a club, you know, and, and right. that's kind of it. Um, would you, I'm shocked uh, for, <laughs> for, for, for our, our, our listeners at home, uh, Sean is wearing a hat. He just removed the hat and he has sort of a mohawk thing with hair, just Almost. slightly different from uh, Ashley here. So we may we get a picture of that after oh, this is bet. over? 100%. you You guys have to see this. So we were somewhere about, okay, so they're spending a lot of time focusing on their recorded music. Right. To me, there's the economic law of opportunity cost. You can do one thing or you can do the other, but you can't do both. Why can't you do both? Because, hey, here's
0: where I'm going to challenge you sure, on that okay, question. Good. It is so easy mm-hmm. to make music nowadays.
1: You would think that, but then you have these people who are spending. I'm, I'm not just saying about let's you and I go and we're going to do a song in a day and we're done. They're spending months in the studio doing this. That's why I say they're back in but the that, 20th that's century. the person.
0: They're a perfectionist, right? So the, they want to get it down to the exact way that they want it to be. Um, you know, I have an 8-year-old daughter mm-hmm. who, uh, I don't get it, but I have an 8-year-old daughter who has recorded songs with beats, with guitars, with keyboard samples, mm. all on her iPad and she's played it for me and it's absolutely blown me away. You know, so it's there. And if you want to talk about professional quality, you can go to your local guitar center, Sam Ash, whatever independent store you want to go to, for 200 bucks, you can get set up to where you can make professional music. Mm-hmm. You know, the you can put you can spend 200 bucks on Logic Uh, through Mac and you can have the most stunning, amazing recordings ever, right? Um, You know, I'm getting off topic there, but, you know, uh, the thing is, is that, yes, it's important to play shows also, but it's also important to have music down because if you're a new artist, right, and and you make that comment about what's more important, something recorded or something live, if you're a new artist, most the chances are people don't know who you are. People don't know anything about you. They don't have anything to reference back to you. And if you are that newer artist, you're probably first to four on a local night. Or if you're lucky enough, the promoter likes you because of who you are. You're the first to four on a national act, right? Uh, those people aren't there to see you. Yeah, your few friends that you bought, brought are, mm-hmm. but those people aren't there to see you. And if you don't have anything recorded to to push out, whether it be for sale, whether it be giving it away free on download, whether it just be on your whatever your social media, whether it be Facebook or SoundCloud or any of that stuff, if you don't have something recorded, there's nothing they can reference back to.
1: But you don't have to make Sgt. Pepper
0: no, to do that. No, you don't have I, to I make Sgt. Pepper.
1: Yeah, because I agree. It almost sounds like chicken and egg, but it's... it's sort of not but but yeah you don't right. have to make sergeant pepper but you, it, to it, your it, point you can make something the good quality you don't have to spend a ton of money in the studio like a william it, patterson it, exactly people can actually record for free in our studio william patterson That's students amazing. um mm-hmm. you know but uh yeah i guess my point was um are they hiding behind let me just stay in the studio a little bit longer because maybe they're scared maybe they're nervous about whatever it's i don't a scary know scary thing yeah. you know uh I deal with
0: thousands of artists a year, and I don't like being the one up on the stage. Yeah, okay, I'll go on the side of the stage while they're performing. I don't want to get out there in front of 10,000 people. <laughs> I don't want to... I have a horrible singing voice. Uh, I have a horrible speaking voice. I, I, I couldn't imagine me out there in front of people. Yes, I was in bands when I was younger, and I was on stage. I didn't suffer stage fright, but I enjoyed playing the music more than I enjoyed playing it in front of people yeah. so yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a it's a catch-22 but if you want your career to grow you got to
1: get over it mm. i don't think his speaking voice is that bad what do you think marconi no i don't yours is much worse. <laughs> mine is horrible i mean he's, he's got You're the best speaking voice in this room at the at the yes, moment and you have a radio show i know <laughs> and I'm, that's why i'm really smile there we go again we're doing all these great things uh that really help when we're on the radio, so uh, we, let's do one more tweet because we have about three minutes left, and Ashley will read this one particular tweet for you, Sean.
5: All right, this is from Perks. What advice do you have for an independent artist manager trying to book a 2018 summer tour? Uh,
0: <laughs> uh what level are you at? What uh, what uh, what draw do you have? I, I, I mean, who knows? What's your value? Should you go on that tour? What's my advice? You gotta ask yourself that hard question: Should you go on a tour? You know that—that's probably the biggest advice I can give right there. Be real with yourself.
1: And it goes back to the answer you just said: Big fish, small pond. Exactly. It's like, right.
0: uh, okay, yeah, you want to get out there and you want to get it. You know, uh, you got to think about that. What? You know, okay, I, I'm a new artist. I'm independent. Blah blah blah. I have to go on tour. Because tour is how I get other people to hear my music. And, you know, it goes back to Small Fish, Big Pond. It goes back to what we were just talking about with, you know, what's more important to get out there live or to record something.
4: All right. Well, I if think- you
0: go on the road and you're not at the level that you should be on the road, nobody's going to care. No. It's going to cost you a lot of money. You're going to come back with less money in your pocket than you left with. Yeah, you'll have a couple of cool stories and oh, yeah. and maybe uh, a love affair on the road or something. Catch a disease. Catch a disease <laughs> exactly. Um, insurance well, pays for a penicillin shot, but uh, <laughs> but you know. But besides that, you know, what was the point?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think another question would be because uh, Ton Silberman put this model out a few years ago, which we still use. Really, today there's no model to success because there's so many opportunities, but the the uh, method or the road is to take that passive fan and make them into a fanatic fan. Exactly. No matter how you do it, you may do it through social media, you may do it through performing, but I think the question to ask is how many passive fans did I make into fanatic fans through active fans into fanatic fans that I can count on to do, to when I'm going out to try to do this so-called tour well, in the summer. Yeah,
0: and you can take take what you're saying to the step further when okay how do you plan a a 2018 summer tour Mm
2: -hmm.
0: what are the markets within a 200 mile radius that I have what has the highest level of active fans and what has the highest level of passive fans yeah and what's gonna be my opportunity to convert Mm -hmm. what do what's going to give me the best opportunity to further
1: my artist career Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in value You had said earlier, you know, what value am I I bringing? Which I think is is a great one, and that's one of the hard questions. And I think one of the hard questions is, do we stop now? And the answer is yes, we have to stop now. So it was great that you got to be here. Yes. We we got both sides of you. We got the purely (laughs) audio, and then we got to see you in person and take some (laughs) pictures, which people will be able to see. Yeah, Shocking. Yes, it was was great. So we want to thank uh, Sean Striegel of Live Nation for being here. Thank you very much, Sean Striegel.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you, Ashley Weltner, for telling us how much longer we could go and how long we had to stop. Thank you, Yay. Ashley Weltner, for making it happen with her hair. And thank you, Dr. Esteban Marconi, because you're so amazing in everything thank you do. Thank you, and you I'm realize. glad to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you off of assignment. And then right. there is no live show next week. There is a gubernatorial debate here New Jersey. Gubernatorial debate happening at yes. William Patterson University. one last night, and we will be the second one. Right, second of two. Yes. That's right, and then we will be back the following week. And we're going to have a great show coming up for you. So, uh, and who's going to be here in the following week? Adam Ritchie from a company called A Adam Ritchie Brand Direction, who has uh, done a lot of sort of alternative retail opportunities for for artists. And after that, Terry Currier of Music Millennium, big North Northwest yep. uh, Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest guy. So we got to go. So this has been Music Biz 101. More of Brave New Radio. Thank you very much for listening. At the end of every show, we do not say hello. That would be silly. You know what you say, Sean, at the end of every show. We practically say goodbye, but in another language, it's Portuguese, it is
4: Adiyah! I can't remember when you looked at me and cried, said something broke inside.
3: My hand in mine